He's going to come and come and help. Parky's got nothing on you, Giles. Wonderful. Great. Over to you. There's another mic over here. I've never needed one. Right. Can everybody hear us? No. <laughs> okay, good. Wouldn't want you to miss a word. So um, this effectively is our sermon this morning. So Stuart's not preaching, Rachel's not preaching, nobody's, this is it. Um, and uh, I've got a uh, half-hour slot. Uh, looks like it's probably, we're finishing about sort of 12.30-ish. We'll see how we go. Maybe not 12.30. And um, I've got loads of questions to ask Rachel and uh, we're going to be joined by Matilda as well, who works with Rachel um, in a few uh, spots along the way. So that's why there's the uh, spare chair. Okay, so um, for those that don't know, well, who, does, who doesn't know Rachel? Hands up. That's okay. We've got lots of new folk. We, so so this is, this is, uh, we'll start at the very beginning so that everybody can, can catch up. Um, and, then, uh, and then we'll dive into the work that Rachel and Matilda do in Albania. And uh, we'll just really sort of dig into those areas. It won't just be sort of Q&A. There'll be, I'll stop Rachel if I, find, if I hear something that, uh, you know, I really want to sort of dig into and find out a bit more. We want to get behind the story. We want to understand, uh, you know, uh, Rachel's faith and how she copes in these situations. We really want to understand, you know, the sort of right in, in the sort of in the background what's going on as well and how, uh, how Jesus leads her life. So, uh, Rachel, good morning. Morning. Um, so, um, first off, um, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, so, um, a couple of quick fire questions. So, when did you first come to know the Lord? And how did that happen? Just a little bit about that. Okay, short story. Yeah. Because it could be quite long. That's right, we've got half an hour. So, um, so, I had a bit of a God experience, but I didn't really know what it was. Uh, there isn't really time to go into great detail, but then it was shortly after that that um, God moved me, uh, not out of hairdressing, but um, into a mobile hairdressing part-time, and then I was trying to save up money uh, at that time to go and visit my mum in the States, and so I got a factory job part-time, bird's eye, Grimsby. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. And... Um, yeah, there on the factory uh, line. Um, I mean, I was a, I'm a very curious person. I don't sort of do things uh, quickly. I ask questions. And uh, so slowly, as it happens, I mean, God set the whole thing up. So the day that I was starting, there was another 100 people starting. And um, so they were filling all these people up on this new line, and they picked out two people. They said, right, you and you, you can go and work in that area because we're short-staffed today. And they put us through into the, what was called the Euro Pack area. Is uh, this, can I just check, is this fish fingers, or is it? No, thankfully. No, okay, good. No. So, thankfully, I wasn't handling raw food. So, the Euro Pack was actually just more about the boxes being cell-wrapped and in boxes and stamped. So, it was, it was easy. But the interesting thing was, is it was a quieter place to work. Um, and so, actually, you could talk with people. And um, the person that was put through with me, she, her name was also Rachel. She was a similar age to me, and she had also finished for hairdressing. So, straight away, there was, like, this kind of connection there. And she obviously was a born-again Christian. And so I gave her a really hard time over about a three-month period and uh, lots of questions. And if there was a God, then why this and why that and da-da-da-da. But uh, really, I was seeking and just uh, was conscious of what God had been communicating to me early and was able to make the link. Ah, that was God by his spirit just calling me. So, yeah, sat through many gospel appeals, knowing, like, my heart, like, coming out of my chest, and knowing and I did, needed to respond and raise my hand, but pride, I didn't want to let my friend have the satisfaction that I eventually got there, you know. And then, sort of, I learned more that, actually, you, you know, you don't have to be in church to give your life to Jesus, and I can remember getting back one night to my little flat, and uh, being really mad with myself that yet again I couldn't like pluck up the courage to do it. 
And I can remember then, like, no, I'm going to do it here and now. So um, I, I got down on my knees all by myself in my little flat. And because we talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and how God speaks to people. And so um, um, it was a very spirit-filled church. And so I prayed the prayer. And, and, and you know, I'd hid, sat through several um, sermons that, you know, had the prayer in it. And so I kind of knew what to pray and... And, and I really prayed it, and I opened my eyes and kind of looked around, and I thought, well, I feel the same, and everything looks the same, and I thought, have I said it right? <laughs> so I got saved twice, because I prayed it again, and I really, really, really was sorry. The She's properly time, saved. Yeah. She is. Like, like, <laughs> prayed it twice. So, yeah, so that was the beginning of my journey, and so my life just turned around from that point. Fantastic. And um, w- w- when roughly was that? Just so we can get our sort of timeline oh, straight. I to say that? Um, okay, so... Well, you can give us a decade, if that uh, helps. Okay. Uh, well, I was 19 when that happened. Okay, that's good enough. Great, so <laughs> there we are. So, th- yeah. Um, okay, so that's 19. Then, then what happened? What, what was the next step? So, obviously, you became a Christian. Were you still in the same church, or did you... How did you feel the Lord leading you then? What was, how did he speak to you, and... Where did you go? What did you do? Okay, so um, initially I, I was trying to save up to go up to the States to my mum. Yeah. Uh, so I was still on that journey. And uh, my job at the, at the factory um, ended. And so they were like laying off everybody that hadn't done a year. So I was one of those. I'd done nine months. Uh, so I had to get a job somewhere else. So that moved me to a different town, to Skegness. Skeggy. Uh, yeah, you're getting all this morning. Um, and um, it was, uh, so I was there for a short time, and then I actually went out to, uh, to the States, to my mum out there, and it was while I was out there that God actually spoke to me. And I got a sum of money that had come up um, in, like, a life policy that my dad had been, like, paying through my, my childhood, and I'd uh, uh, sort of knew that was, that was coming up, and I was able to access that, and... Uh, and I was thinking, yeah, it'd be really great to go to Australia. I got a couple of friends that had done this whole traveling thing, and I thought, that's really what I want to do. So um, I got, uh, I, I picked out the rucksack that I wanted for Christmas. Yeah, Mum, this is the rucksack I want and everything. And I was kind of like making these travel plans and thinking, yeah, looking at flights and all this kind of thing. And uh, in the midst of it, you know, because I was a very young Christian, in the midst of it, I suddenly thought like, does God want me to do this? Have I really asked God, does he want me to do this? Because I was thinking in my mind, yeah, traveling is a great way. You can talk to people and you meet people and I could be witnessing for Jesus and, and, and sort of going all, all, you know, thinking, justifying it really. Um, and I thought, you know, I've not really heard God on this. And it, it really came uh, uh, really strong on me. Like, I need to pray about this differently. I could be stepping out of the will of God. Um, uh, and I was obviously a very young Christian, so um, I thought, I need to pray about this differently. So I thought, okay, well, it's all about this money, really, how I was going to use it. I thought, right, well, what, what I'll do is I'll pray about it differently. I'll just say, okay, Lord, here's this sum of money, and uh, what would you like me to do with it? And I was kind of like half thinking he would say, like, okay, you're listening now, girl. Yeah. Get your bag. You can, you can go. But no, when I did that, all of a sudden the words Bible college came into my mind. And I thought, what's a Bible college? <laughs> I didn't know if such things existed. And um, so then that sent me on a journey of, like, uh, what, uh, which Bible college, what our Bible college is, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, in the end, Lord led, led me to Mattersea Hall, uh, where I met Judith and Stuart. <laughs> Aha, so that's the link. Right. Now. Keep going. So you're wondering where the Albania comes into it, aren't Well, you? Like we're going to get yeah. there, I'm sure. Okay, yes. <laughs> so... Um, it was in my first year of Bible college that uh, a, a, a pastor called George Ridley was sharing about what students could get involved with during the summer. And one of the things was a trip to Albania. I had no idea where it was. Um, I'd heard nothing should we about just clear, it. Should we just clear that up right now? Okay. So where is Albania? For people that don't know. Okay, so it is in Eastern Europe. Okay. And so the bordering countries are Montenegro what's now known as Kosovo, uh, Macedonia, and then in the south, Greece. Uh, okay. So across the water from Italy. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So um, 
So uh, he was sharing what students could get involved with, and he painted this really, really dark picture. It says, like, if you can't cope with your head without your hairdryer, Albania is not for you. Bearing in mind, I kind of come out of the hairdressing, yeah. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you sort of like can't do with broken nails, Albania's not for you. If you don't like things that kind of fly around and things that run around at night, then Albania's not for you. And the list kind of went on and on, and I just thought, yeah, this is for me. <laughs> you like the challenge. <laughs> yeah, I just felt that I was ready. I didn't really know. I'd never met a missionary in my life at that point, and um, I didn't really know anything about missions. So it was more about the um, doing something... Uh, different, doing something that was useful with my summer, um, and uh, I just felt like I wanted a, I wanted a challenge. But it was then when I was out there that then really God stirred me and uh, spoke to me and said, you know, there is more to do mm-hmm. in this place. So when you got there, mm-hmm. you stepped off the plane at Toronto or wherever, and um, and you uh, and you thought, right, I'm okay. I'm in I'm in Albania now. What was your what was your sort of immediate sort of, you know, sort of uh, um, feelings about the place? And um, what, can you remember that? Do you kind yeah. of? Yeah, I mean, we'd been on family holidays uh, and to foreign but, places, but not to Albania. Uh, no, very touristy places, Gran yeah. Canaria back in the day, um, in like the seventies and early eighties, and um, uh, but this was very, very, very. Uh, different. So uh, obviously the first thing, it, it was crazy, it was wild, it was poverty struck. Um, everybody was like sticks, you know. Um, uh, you could tell, you know, they hadn't really uh, got a lot. And um, uh, it was very challenging. And we were working up in a mountain, uh, a mountain village, uh, way up in the mountain. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. And the people were just... They'd got nothing, absolutely nothing, but yet they were ready to, to give you everything that they had. It was, it was mad, um, but it, it really impacted th- me. They've, they've had, how long had they they'd been sort of under communist uh, rule uh, for some long time? There had mm-hmm. been sort of a government was you know, completely atheist. It was, you know, th- there were even rules and about all of that as well. Um, so how long after that was it sort of... It was sort of obviously starting to come out of that. So how receptive were people to yes. those sorts of things? Yes, so um, it was, I mean, it's 50 years under communism, and it was under con- communism that it was de- proclaimed an atheistic sa- state. Um, and uh, communism began to crumble in 91, um, and I got to go in 1993. Um, and so there was people that had never even seen foreigners in their lives. So we were like, we were like the show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there was a there was a hunger, there was an interest, um, you know, in people's heart because there was obviously this huge uh, void um, in people's lives. So, and w- what were you doing in this mountain village? What was the what was the sort of what, what were the what were the act- activities you were involved with? The Mixing thing? cement, gutting fish, cooking for thirty people. Um, uh, but I got to do a bit of children's ministry and we got to do uh, home visits to uh, Albanian people's okay. homes as well to share the gospel, so very and mixed. What, what, out of all of that, what, how did the Lord speak to you? What was it, what did he, how did he put things on your heart and what was it that he put on your heart about Albania? I, I think it was just seeing, um, uh, the, being in that different culture and really experiencing the culture um, and just seeing the great need that there was there uh, was just really what stirred me. And uh, but when I got back to um, when I got back to England in the early part, I think Ruth can probably relate to this. All I could talk about was Albania. It was like every every sentence. Oh yeah, when I was in Albania, when I was in Albania, it's like every sentence, everything I could get Albania in, I was getting Albania in. And um, and then like you know, I, I realised like is. Was it meant to be just like this short-term thing, or or is there something more to it? So I decided, the first time around, how the Lord provided to me is after uh, George Ridley had been sharing about uh, Albania, 
and the trips out there. I was talking to people and saying, like, hey, I'm really thinking about going on this Albania trip. And I'd get these, you know, these handshakes, you know? Oh, yes. They give you that handshake, and you're thinking, what are you putting in my hand? And you're oh. kind of like, oh, oh, and there was like a tenor, you know? <laughs> and um, wake up in the morning, and there would be this, like, envelope under my door. And uh, it was quite exciting times. But there was a sense in, yes, that was God. But there was a sense in that I had been communicating to people like what I was really wanting, you know, I felt God was saying for me to do. So there's a sense of like the human hand in it as well. And so I thought, I knew that even a non-Christian going into that situation and seeing some of the things that I saw would be stirred. Their emotions would be touched. And uh, so I thought, is this something God is placing in me? Is this something that God is stirring in me? Or is this something that is just a human emotion? So I thought, okay, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop talking about Albania. I'm not going to say anything to anyone. I'm not going to. It was really hard. Um, and um, I, I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm thinking about going the next, the next year. And also I knew that I still had a £1,000 to pay on my fees before I could even graduate. And I knew really the right way would be, first of all, to pay my dues. And then anything over and above that that the law provided, I could take it that, okay, that's to put aside for Albania. Um, so I told nobody, uh, even my close friends. And... Um, and was just praying, Lord, if it's your will, I know you're going to provide. I, I, need, I need an outright miracle here. I mean, as a young Christian, mm. you know, you dare pray these prayers. And um, um, it, it, it was two weeks before graduation, still no fees in. The bursa was calling all the students in that had, had still had fees to pay. And I'm going, I don't know what I'm going to say. I have no idea. I don't know where this money's coming from. Like, Lord, help me here. What's happening? And uh, really, I kind of put Albania to the back of my mind because I was thinking, like, I haven't even got my fees yet. So how's that all going to happen? All the places on the bus to Albania would be packed out now. And so there might not be room. Maybe it was just all my human emotions anyway at the end of the day. So I go into this office. He said, good news, Rachel. We've had a check for £1,000, an anonymous check. Your fees are paid. So while I was really excited about that, <laughs> this kind of Albania thing shot to the forefront again of like, well, if God can do that, maybe even at this very late stage, he can still do something about the Albania thing. So I started to pray about it more firmly, still not talking to anyone. And... Um, how matters he work things is you have to do student ministry at the weekend. And I got to uh, the last term, you're allowed to go wherever you want. So there was a whole bunch of us students, two carloads of us, and we went to a certain church. I don't have to say where it is. Uh, but we piled in, and we were a little bit naughty students. We were a little bit late. And uh, so we're scooting in. The, the, the service had just kind of started, and there was this whole theme of Matthew 6 and how God cares for the birds of the air and provides and I'm thinking yeah great thanks Lord yeah thanks for paying my fees off and and great and in walks next to me because I was on the end of it's a modern church but they'd still got pews long pews and I was right at the end and there was one space next to me and in walks this girl now she was a member of this of the, of the church I'd never met her in my life she knew nothing about me she didn't know I'd been praying all year about Albania and uh, the, the worship had finished, and we sat down, and this lady, who I'd never met, uh, leant over to me, and she just said, I just feel, I don't know you or anything about you, but I just feel that God is saying that if you want to go on a mission trip, that I'm to pay for you. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, that was God. <laughs> no arguing with that. <laughs> <clears throat> Fantastic. Yeah. How about that? It's awesome, isn't it? Well... And then after that, you launched yourself off to Albania, I guess. Um, why don't we... Um, is, is, would it be a good time now to do to uh, do a look at the video? Or do we need to sort of get it... Should we get into um, the kind of next bit before the video? Um, yeah, so I'll just give a little bit of a backdrop before yeah. the video okay, is, is shown. Uh, cause yeah. It's just a short clip. So um, if any of you remember that was here last year, I show a video of the van in action and the uh, project of the Spark project. So there's this mobile van that's been adapted. Um, it was bought here in the UK and converted. So a side flips up, a flat platform flips down. It's got the flat screen, the puppet theater on it. And what we do with that project is we get churches excited about the possibility of reaching children in their local community. 
And uh, then we train them towards that, and then we go out with them, with the van, uh, and help them to be outreaching to the children in their, in their local area with the idea that at the end of the, of the um, project that the children then come into, uh, into the church there and they continue uh, what we've built up on a regular week-to-week basis. So um, um, we've, now, we've now just finished our third year of the van being out. Uh, third year? That third odd. year, yes. Wow. So... Um, it's uh, time flies when you're having fun, um, but uh, we we are we are really blessed to be a part of what God is doing uh, through that, and uh, it is it is a great tool uh, and it's working. So it's good when God gives you a plan, uh, you know it works. And so uh, with prayer um, and partnering with local churches, and uh, we've helped uh, this year. We helped two thousand five hundred and fifty-two children to get connected in with local church. So in the three years now, that's 7,074 children. Uh, so, yeah, God is really using this project, and we're really blessed to be a part of what God's doing through that. So the little video clip that we've got, it's just a couple of pastors, um, one Albanian, one um, uh, an American missionary uh, who's church planting, um, and uh, just, yeah, giving their ideas of how, how Spark... Uh, is worked for them. So sometimes it's been via helping them to plant a new church, and sometimes it's been just boosting their uh, children's numbers or even starting totally new children's work. So uh, it's exciting. I think. Fab. Let's let's hear the let's watch and hear the video. So uh, Spark uh, project has helped us in a place in Tirana that uh, we didn't have a church plant there. So we did 10 weeks of Spark project in that, in that place. And many kids came, and more than 80 kids came there. So now we have a church plant there, just planted there this last year. Uh, the Spark project has given our children's team a new vision, clarity, and the importance of ministering to children in the community. We have seen how it has built the kingdom of God in our community, um, working together with local schools, um, building relationships with families, with parents, with children, with school workers. I would say to all of those who have been sponsoring this ministry, the Spark Project ministry, please continue. It have, we have seen as we work with a network of churches across Albania, most of them have been involved in Spark. I believe that the Spark Ministry, the Spark Project, is a vital ministry for the nation of Albania. The sponsor of the Spark Ministry, uh, I, with all my heart, I ask you to, to support this ministry, Spark Ministry, in Albania because it has helped us so much. Um, we love Spark. It has been just an, an absolutely incredible uh, ministry to us. So, yeah, that was just a short video of a couple of pastors. We've partnered with 34 uh, different different churches, and um, it's good to see when it's actually working and it's helping them to reach out further. But uh, you are a part of this because you are one of our sponsoring churches. So uh, Albanian pastors are thanking you for your partnership in, in this great project. So thank you. Well, th- it's it's fantastic to be involved, and um, and obviously p- some people are hearing it for the first time, which yeah. is good, a good, exciting as well. Take us back a little bit, because obviously this is a, the last three years has been, um, you know, obviously a, a massive acceleration in the program. But the years before that are quite hard, hard won, hard fought, you know, um, and and lots of investment in your your time. Um, so t- talk talk us through sort of quickly from sort of day one to, to kind of to now, if you can. Just, and I know in that, in that time that we've had um, several uh, times we've had uh, folk from the church come out and play their part in that, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, individuals or, or as a group. And uh, maybe you can sort of, you know, mark those points in, in the journey. 
Yeah, so um, when I uh, first felt that the Lord was speaking to me to raise up a children's evangelistic mission, uh, that was in the year uh, 1998, uh, uh, but it wasn't until the year 2000 that I actually got launched. So um, uh, there's another story in all of that, but um, really it's a whole story of God's faithfulness um, through the whole time. And so... Um, we haven't got loads of time, so I'm going to try and cut it as short as I can. Um, I thought, okay, where do I start? Okay, Lord, you've given me this vision. I have the, uh, the vision statement, the three main objectives, and uh, it's like, where do, where do I start? So um, I had worked with the previous uh, missions organization that I first went out to Albania with, uh, we had done like a beach project in a place called Shenzhen where there still was no evangelical church. So I thought, well, I've got some contacts there, so maybe it's good to just start in that place where I've got some contacts. And I thought, well, you can't just go in and just suddenly, you know, fling open your doors and say, come on, kids, come to Jesus. You've got to be known and respected and win people's ears and hearts first. Um, before you can, you know, win, win them for Jesus. And so I thought, right, okay, well, um, how do we go about this? So I thought, right, okay, well, we'll start, we'll open an English course because it's not taught in the school. They're all anchoring after this. And, okay, I'm, I'm not a teacher, but I know English better than they do, so let's just, let's just go with this. So <laughs> um, uh, I, I do some crazy things sometimes, and, uh, but God always seems to show up. And uh, so that's how I started. And then I did a sort of a Christmas special and then an Easter special. Um, and then after about a year, then we launched into a regular weekly meeting and so, uh, for, for children. And so sort of 10 years passed by, and I was very much serving the local level and was very hands-on. And um, I got to where it was the 10th anniversary, and at the same time, I was turning 40. And you didn't hear that, did you? No, no they okay. didn't hear um, And um, not that I was having a midlife mid, mid, uh, crisis, but um, I was reflecting, where do I want to be in the next 10 years? And uh, I knew that God had called me to the nation and not just to that one area. Yeah. And so I, I, I knew that something needed to change. And um, so uh, three years later, I then relocated into the, into the capital city. So um, teams have been out when we were a part of, of uh, Shenzhen and what was going on there. And... Uh, uh, there's people here that have uh, shoveled and done cement and created playgrounds. And uh, uh, then there's Ruth as well in the back there that's uh, been out four times now. And uh, uh, I think she still would like to come out again. <laughs> um, and uh, so she was very... Um, um, helped out a lot with the English course as well, that we continued that, uh, just being a blessing to, to the community there. So I think one of the most difficult things for me was actually moving away from that because it went against the grain because I didn't know what was going to happen with Shinjin. I'm a finisher, you know. I would dig my heels in and I would make this happen and the job's not done until it's passed over and all functioning and this is me, this is my core. And so when I felt that the Lord was stirring me to move to the capital city, I, I went fighting and, and kicking and screaming because uh, it was so hard to leave Shenzhen not knowing what was going to happen to it. And, um, how, how, did you, how did you give that up? How did you let it go? Um, <clears throat> I, I think, one... I just had to come to the conclusion of, like, at the end of the day, it's not my work, it's God's work. Yeah. Um, and uh, two, that, like, I've got to think of the bigger picture. Shenzhen is just one town, uh, but there's a whole nation. Um, and so uh, I just had to trust God that he had it in hand, he had a plan. And although it cut across the grain and felt very uncomfortable for me, that he's God at the end of the day and he's in control and I just have to obey. And so. obviously, 
tackling the nation rather than just the town obviously is a bigger enterprise altogether that the yeah. Lord's put on your heart. You needed to sort of gear up from a team perspective as well and, um, and everything was bigger and more complicated. So um, enter uh, Matilda. Um, and um, maybe Matilda, if you want to come up, that'd be good. And perhaps you can introduce Matilda. And um, what I think this is this is really exciting is that there's a repeat here in Matilda of the the early uh, reliance on God and trusting Him that He's going to turn up with the you know with the money, with the ability to be, and the opportunity to be able to to actually carry out what He's given. Um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a sort of a mission, if you like. And so mm-hmm. welcome, Matilda. And uh, tell us about uh, Matilda, and then I'll, um, I'll hand you my mic, and then you can, uh, okay. you can give us your testimony. So, yeah, uh, Matilda um, came on board with us right at the point that we're about to launch with the van ministry. And so I was looking for uh, somebody to be the, the presenter. So I'll, I'll let Matilda tell you the little bit of story. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm so happy to be here this morning. I enjoy very much uh, worship. And because it's not my family, but also is my family. Because we are one spirit and one God. So thank you so much. I enjoy very well. So thank you, Pastor, and your family for this opportunity to hear. And uh, I'm not very well to speak English, but I'm trying. I'm trying and I want to learn more. So (laughs) please understand me. Okay, um, uh, last summer and in the camp, uh, thank you, Ruth and Ben, you are awesome to help us in the summer. Thank you so much. They'll come again. <laughs> and, um, um, okay, in my group, I have my team. And uh, so um, I tell you in the, in the end, in the end, the story, what I learned about this uh, for the camp. So just I'm not to tell you. And uh, so, um, so we start the camp, everything for, you know, uh, you, do, you know about the camp. You need to do everything. So to prepare in, uh, to do some everything. But when we start, so kids come and children come and uh, just I love them to, uh, to stay with them and uh, to be friend of them. So and um, also to uh, preach a gospel. This is my joy. And uh, and then uh, the second day, uh, one girl in my team, one wife, we finished the uh, the talking uh, discussion of one uh, small groups. In it. And uh, uh, I wanted to say, okay, goodbye. So uh, let's uh, see, you know, tomorrow. And uh, but one girl didn't go away and just uh, uh, come after me. And she said, um, you know, I want Jesus. And I say, really? Yes, I want Jesus in my heart. You have it. I want it. <laughs> I say, okay. So it surprised me. And uh, but I see the girl. She look like very shame and uh, very left out. Shy. Shy. Sorry. And um, uh, and uh, okay. I say. If you want this, I just we, I want to pray with you, and uh, so I lead her in the prayer, and uh, she, you know, uh, accept Jesus, and we and uh, we just we say okay, goodbye, and good night, and see you tomorrow, and uh, I don't know, we believe it's one um, one to see her again the next, uh, next day. It was very very interesting. Uh, her. Face is shining, and I, 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 I ask myself, what's happened now? I don't know. And just she came to me and to hug me and to say thank you so much. This night it was a wonderful night. I, d- I don't sleep very well in when I go to bed because I have so bad dreams and everything else. But uh, last night I have a wonderful dream and uh, peace and joy in my heart. And I say, okay, God is just for you and thank you for much. And thank you so much, God. And uh, I'm so happy for this. So God touched me when I'm, I was nine years old. And uh, uh, also I grew up in the church. So I, I'm, in my desire, in my heart is God Please use me in this uh, life, uh, the children's life. So, yes, I'm so happy and to share a little bit story. And God is amazing. But one 
I wanted to say in the beginning, in the end, in the story, what I felt to uh, understand more and uh, in the end in the camp, or everything we do for Jesus is, is hard. It's hard to, to start. It's hard to, you know, to prepare everything. You have in my mind everything questioned. And Rachel is like, do that and come that. You still do that, you know. And oh... What's going to happen now? So anyway, thank you so much <laughs> because it's helped me and uh, to learn more. And just I felt, God, thank you so much for this learning. Because in the end, in the camp, in the end, and finish everything you do for God, is you feel uh, full joy and full, uh, wonderful to say, thank you, God, you use me. Just I obey you. So thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Fab. So, uh, Matilda, you used to be a, a teacher. Yes. Uh, and you were a full-time paid teacher. Yes. <laughs> and now you're not. Yes. So, where do you, how do you get, how do you live? Okay, with faith. <laughs> with so, faith, yes, yeah. we believe and uh, God calls Rachel and provides everything for her. And I believe everything. Uh, who wants to, uh, you know, to believe and... Uh, to say, God, okay, you choose me, and I say just, yes, and here I am. So I just believe, and God is provide me, is uh, 40 years now in the, in the serving him, so I'm so happy. That's good. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, we, we um, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic to see these, these journeys of faith uh, and reliance on the Lord. Um, it, it, it's... Um, it's encouraging and it's faith-building for us to hear these things. Um, and, I mean, you've painted this incredible picture of all these things you've been doing, but that's, it's not stopping there. 2017, what's going to happen now? What are the next big steps? What's on your heart? Uh, yes, yeah, so we've got a number of things in the, in the pipeline um, and um, uh, some exciting things too. Um, about 10 years ago, we produced some children's praise and worship uh, albums because uh, one of our roles um, is to provide materials in Albanian for Albanian children's workers so that we're helping uh, local churches with materials and so we, um, we've provided a, a couple of albums but like 10 years singing the same songs you know uh, we're <laughs> oh, long yeah. overdue so we really would love to do another album um, this year that doesn't come cheap studio time yeah. and uh, and uh, all the uh, things that need to happen for that, but we're trusting God for for this. It's a, it's a need, and we've been asked for a number of years. Could we do something? So uh, we're stepping out in faith towards that this year. Uh, another area is I'm very conscious that um, you know even in Albania there is access to internet, um, and children have access to their mum and dad's kind of smartphones or tablets, and uh, we wanted to. Uh, you know, internet is children's world almost. They all have access to it. And so uh, there is nothing in Albanian uh, that shares the gospel with, with children on, online or helps with, um, you know, beginning discipleship even. And so, um, and obviously, you know, that goes over the borders. Mm. Um, and Albania is... Somebody, a lady this morning, the lady that's playing the bass. Conti. Where, where is she? Okay. Um, yeah, she was talking about um, borders this morning. It was quite interesting. Um, but Albania, after the First World War, its borders in a conference in London in 1912, I think it was, when they redrew the maps of Europe, Albania's borders got shrunk. And so it left all these Albanian-speaking communities and towns outside of Albania. So in Montenegro, what's now known as Kosovo, Macedonia, and Greece. And so um, it's, a lot, it's a lot broader. And there were, there were a lot of Albanians even in, in the UK, in the States, in Italy. Um, and so Albanians are all over the place now. There's uh, three... Uh, 3.5 million in the country and there's probably about 4 million out of the country and so 
how can we be reaching Albanian children on a wider level and having something in Albanian that um, reaches some of these, these other um, groups outside of the border. Um, and so I've been praying we really want to have something that's online. So just two weeks ago, we had a meeting with uh, Scripture Union, and they have agreed that we can have um, the, uh, it's called the Guardians of Ancora. It's a children's gaming app that takes them through uh, the Bible, sto- the Jesus story, so from his birth through to um, his resurrection uh, in a very age appropriate from like the age of like 6 through to 12. And so they're ready to do all the technical side of that. Uh, but we just need to do all the translation side of it, which is a huge task. So we're really just trusting God um, for, for that one. But that's an exciting uh, uh, project in itself. Um, and I was talking about the borders just a minute ago because something that um, I've, I've been wanting to do is like, yes, we've, we were working two years in Tirana with the Spark Project and we've we've launched out now and we're actually going into different towns to serve for a season Uh, but I would really love to see that this year we've made some headway and inroads into these bordering countries to the Albanian speaking areas I mean just in Macedonia we think of Macedonia we think yeah Paul went there yeah Christian nation but you know in, in Macedonia there are even whole communities thousands of people Muslim, 40 mosques, and not one single Christian church. Mm. Uh, great need. So, yeah, pray for us. Yeah, sounds like you've got your hands full. Huge project. Um, just a couple of uh, things to finish then. Um, what's, what sort of, what's the Lord talking to you about in terms of, uh, okay, we've got projects and we've got things like that, but, mm. um, uh, you know, what's he, what's he saying to you? Um, and you know about what what you've got to do. What's what's kind of um, not the practical, but the the kind of mentally and spiritually. What have you personally got to do to kind of you know? So, like, what has God kind of been showing me recently? Yeah. Okay. He, well, you, yeah. yeah. There um, are a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't got my glasses yeah. on. Okay. Uh, you've got your glasses there. It's okay. These are the things you said. Don't go there. Yeah. No, 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 no. So, um, yeah. So, since I moved to Tirana, the way that the ministry looks and how God is used to me is is in a very, very different way to how it was on the local level in Xinjiang. And uh, I see God using me in very different uh, ways and on a more of a national level. And uh, I didn't mention about the whole safeguarding thing. Albania doesn't really understand safeguarding. Um, and um, I was very conscious a couple of years ago that I'm encouraging all these churches to build their children's ministry and get the children in, and yet there's 75 of the percent of them that uh, don't even know the first thing about safeguarding, haven't even got a policy or anything. And this is a side issue, but it's really, actually, it's a really important issue because it only takes one church to have one thing go wrong and you know a scandal and with the unprofessional media that there is in Albania it would just kind of really seriously damage right across the nation uh, all the children's works that have been you know built 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 up over the years and so I find myself by default then um, sort of being the the CCPAS the child uh, church child a protection advisory service almost of Albania. I do get myself into some things, but um, <laughs> it, it, it was important, and uh, it's, it's tried and tested me. But um, here I am sort of challenging the Evangelical Alliance. What are you doing about this? Your churches are unprotected right now. And so um, I gathered uh, a bunch of people uh, around, uh, created a bit of a round table, and we've been working on a document which we finally had finished at the beginning of January, keeping it really simple, bite-sized, because it's very new. I mean, here in the UK, we've got 40 years of experience of this, whereas in Albania, it's still 40 years behind. So you've got to give it in kind of bite-sized and pick and choose what's the most important things. Um, But um, I challenged a, a, a praise report. I 
uh, challenged them and said, you need to change the, made a proposition to change the governing, governing document that they needed to include in there, that it was mandate for all members to have a, a child protection uh, policy in place and functioning. And that went to vote just uh, a week before we came to the UK, so at the end of, end of January. And uh, it got voted through with 100% of the vote. That's so fantastic. That was a big step in the right direction. Lots more work to do, obviously, because it's now how do they implement that. So it means a lot of training, uh, events, that kind of thing. But um, <clears throat> God seems to be moving me more into these kind of national kind of situations, um, that, being, that being one of them. Um, and several years back, uh, somebody was saying to me, uh, Rachel, I really kind of see like a real prof- uh, prophetic edge on, on your ministry. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm just doing what I do. And, you know, <laughs> and it sounds rather large to me. But there's been, you know, several times that God has used different people in different situations to kind of bring this word to me. And just uh, last week I was at Mattersea Hall and again, uh, really see you moving in um, in the apost- sorry I said prophetic but the apostolic the apostolic um, you know kind of gifting and I mean to me that's it's I'm I'm that's not me it's kind of I'm I'm not polished I'm just like this crazy northern girl that just happens to be ready to step out in faith and just trust God with with what He's asking of me. Um, uh, so it seems really huge, but I mean, since God now has said it a number of times, uh, I think I just need to look into what really God is trying to say with all of that. So that's one of the areas. And then another area that God's been speaking to me is the whole thing about taking risks. Um, back in the day, I mean, I've done some crazy, what well, seemed to me crazy now. Um, I mean, like, before we got the van, we had this, we had this, old trailer that Bolton Pentecostal Church uh, gave to us and the sides would flip open and it would kind of be like a bit of a puppet theatre and, you know, what we could use as a bit of a stage. And um, the Lord was able to provide funds that we was able to buy a, a Land Rover. And uh, so I find myself in this situation where I'm driving this Land Rover. I've never driven a Land Rover in my life. I'm pulling this trailer, not the easiest thing, you know, particularly when you've got to back it onto ferries to get across the water. (laughs) And first time ever driving in Europe. And there I am doing all three things by myself. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, I look back on those things, I think, like, Rachel, you're nuts, you know. How on earth did you ever do that kind of stuff? And, (coughs) And then, like, Project Baywatch. I mean, what was that all about? You know, I mean, I'd seen a few people dying on the beach in Xinjiang and nobody really knowing what to do about it. So I find myself, like, doing this Project Project Baywatch. You know, I'm not really Pamela Anderson or I haven't even got a bronze award in, in swimming. And here I am sort of making this uh, sort of lifeguarding agency. I mean, yeah, it was a need. And I, I just kind of stepped into it. But kind of crazy, crazy stuff when I think back now. And, and I just felt the Lord speak to me, like, would you be ready to take those kind of risks, those crazy risks now? And uh, just challenged by the whole thing of, uh, you know, as it says in, in uh, Proverbs uh, 3, verse 5, about trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But trusting not in your own understanding. You know, sometimes when God speaks to us, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And you think, like, really, Lord? Really? Is, is, is that you? But, you know, when it comes with confirmation and you know that it's God, and even though it doesn't make sense, and even though maybe there's people around you that maybe don't quite get it and don't understand it, uh, you just have to step out and trust God. So I've been challenged about the whole thing of, like, being ready to step out and take even bigger risks for Jesus. Do the crazy things again. Yeah. I think a lot of us need to hear that. I mean, that's, that's very special. I mean, I know... In, in our youth, if you like, um, you know, the, it, there didn't seem to ever be any downside, so you'd just get on with it, wouldn't you, And mm-hmm. however mad it seemed. And then we, as we grow older mm-hmm. and we put all this stuff around us mm-hmm. um, and we kind of settle down, uh, if you like, the risks that we take are less and less mm-hmm. for the Lord. And um, Yeah, but I think, 
you see, the thing is, is um, as you get older, you have got the experience. Uh, and, and so you actually, older people, I mean, I dye my hair here, but I know there are a few that, you know, maybe dye their hair too, but um, um, we, we should be able to take even more risks for Jesus because we, we have got that, that whole base of experience. So uh, just be ready if God is saying step out of the boat, even though it doesn't make sense, and even if it seems like a massive and a crazy thing, if God is in it, just be ready to do it. You know, I think it's very easy to go, no, oh, I can't be doing with all that now. I'm, I'm, you know, leave that to the younger ones. But if God is saying it, do it. Fantastic. Well, um, very lastly then, um, are there, uh, how, can we, how can we help as a church? What, what can we do? How can we play our part? Well, I always, when people ask me this question, I always say three things. Uh, give, go, pray. So um, the minimum of all of those is, is, is pray. So uh, we, we have got a thing at the back there if you want to sign up for a newsletter and know how you can uh, pray for us. Uh, better then we can we can help you with some prayer points like that um uh we do need volunteers as well about going we do need volunteers to help at our children's camp this uh this summer as well so if you want to know more about that uh it's hard work but it's good fun and it's good to be used by god and do something different and be out of our comfort zone uh so if you want to know about that then you can uh and i believe that uh, the leadership uh Stuart, uh, is wanting to lead a team out there uh, again and just give people exposure to mission um, and to see the work out there as well uh, next year. So if that's something that you might be interested in, then you should be hearing more about that <clears throat> with uh, from from Stuart. So uh, um, and yeah, come and if you have any other questions and things, come and see us see us at the back. So. Uh, Pray for Matilda because, you know, she mentioned earlier about the step of faith. How we work things is when people come on board with us, we have a sliding uh, sort of percentage where uh, they're expected to raise their own, their own support. And so uh, she's just entered into a fourth year where it's 100% over to her to trust God for her daily bread. And so uh, she, that's one of the reasons why she's here in the U.K., uh, is she's trying to find partners that are ready to get behind her and say, we you know, believe in you and uh, we believe in what, you, what your heart is and what you're wanting to do and we want to try and help you uh, with that and partner with you. So, so yeah, if you feel inspired, uh, Matilda will also be at the back uh, <clears throat> at the end of the meeting. Fantastic. Thank you, Rachel, Matilda. Thank you very much. Thank you.